Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, Karis Cotter, author of Screech, Ghost Stories from Old Newfoundland. It takes skill to tell a ghost story properly. A good performer can take a lame tale about a local spook and raise the hair on the back of your neck or even make you squeal with fright. But I'd argue that it takes even more skill to write a ghost story that transports you to another time and a particular place where a ghostly experience happened to put you in the shoes or under the bed covers of the person who encountered the ghost and lived to tell about it. Karis Cotter has researched ghost stories from land and sea in Newfoundland and turned them into compelling human narratives in her collection called Screech. Karis, welcome to Book Me. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I've heard of method actors, but I'm wondering uh, if you're a method ghost story writer. Is it true your house lies between two cemeteries? (laughs) Yes, it is true. In fact, I can look out my window right now and see the white crosses in one of the cemeteries. They're very old cemeteries, and uh, they haven't been used for a long time, but there's still uh, lots of spirits there. But I I make it a policy not to read ghost stories after dark, because I I, I have to definitely keep ghosts out of my house. (laughs) You gathered much of the raw material for these ghost stories by engaging students in Newfoundland schools. How did you do that? Well, I've spent a lot of time with with my books, going from school to school doing book presentations. And uh, I went looking for ghost stories a few, quite a few years ago because I love Newfoundland ghost stories and I wanted to collect some. And I couldn't find, it was really hard to find the people to tell me the stories. And going into a community with no connection, everybody was always saying, well, so-and-so could have told you a good story, but, you know, he died last week. And I heard that a few times. And so it was really hard to get the stories. But then um, I, I decided to start in schools to do ghost story workshops, writing and story storytelling workshops with the kids and I asked them to go home and ask their parents and grandparents if they knew any ghost stories and lo and behold the ghost stories just flooded in because of course everybody knows a ghost story and a lot of them are go back generations so all these kids brought in stories and we ended up in a couple of schools publishing books of their ghost stories illustrated by them and then I would, I would take the stories that I liked and kind of reimagine them and tell them when I went to other schools. And so I had a little ghost story performance set up. And I told these stories for years, and eventually I, um, I decided to write them. And then I, I found a few more, and that's how the book came about. Well, once the students had shared what they'd learned from, say, older generations, you did start your writing. But aside from the ghost itself, Tell us about the other elements you pulled in to make these distinctively Newfoundland ghost stories. Well, the thing is, is that Newfoundland has a very particular culture that's very much still alive, and it's not that long ago that people were living without electricity and with horses, and it's, it's, it's not as far away in Newfoundland as it, was, as it is in other parts of Canada, so you don't have to dig very far to get it back into history. So I really, with each story, I did research to try and find out exactly what kind of store would be in the community and what they would be going to buy at the store 
and what if they'd have a horse and what the wagon would look like that was the horse was pulling and um, I really tried to immerse myself in research about the local history the sort of social history of Newfoundland so that I could recreate the time and the place because a lot of the ghost stories are so particular to one time or place and and the fact that there's a say no electricity and you're hearing these strange footsteps in the hall you know it just it adds to the atmosphere so I, I really I wanted to to bring back the ghost stories as they used to be told and when they originally happened I wanted to bring back the atmosphere and the details and you cover more than a century in oh, your yeah. book yeah I mean some of the stories you don't really know how far back they go I mean the ghostly longboat one of my older stories that's at least 200 years old it could go back further because a story will sort of morph over the years and different people will tell it and it'll change but the, the sort of kernel of the story comes from way back well tell us about the the ghostly longboat because uh, you know i was sure even before i opened the the book that there would be something about uh, fishing and and shipping in the coastal communities yes well, this story, it happened in Bay de Verde, which was a very old fishing community that was first fished around there by the Portuguese. That's where the name comes from. What happened was there was a really bad storm at Easter one spring. It was so bad that people couldn't get out of their houses for three days and three nights. They just had to stay in and then finally get out and look around to see what damage had been done. They noticed that some wreckage had washed up on the shore from, it looked like a shipwreck. So as soon as they could, they got in their boats and went out looking for the shipwreck. And they combed the coast and went out into the ocean, but they couldn't find any trace of the shipwreck. So a few months later, uh, some fishermen were out in Bacaly Tickle. They were out in the fog fishing, and it was a really thick fog. But, you know, the old fishermen could really find their way around in a fog, and they were okay. They loaded their boat up, and they headed back. And partway back, they had a bit of a rest. And as they sat there in this thick, thick fog, they started to hear this noise that was the slapping of oars on the water. So it sounded like their boat out there. Then they heard a man calling out the time to the rowers. And the sound kept getting closer and closer. They couldn't see a thing. And then finally, all of a sudden, this, this, this longboat was in front of them with 12 men in it, all bent over their oars, rowing and rowing. And the man was standing in the back calling out the time. And the, the fishermen called out to these guys and tried to capture their attention. But nobody looked up. And, and a couple of minutes later, the, the fog just swallowed up the boat. And it was gone, headed towards Bay de Verde. So the fishermen went back to the community and they started looking around the wharf to see where the boat was and who these men were because they knew it had been heading there. But there was no sign of it and, and there'd been no other boats come in that day. So it was a real mystery because, you know, out here you know everybody, who they are and where they're going and what they're doing. And if you don't know, you find out pretty fast. So that night there was a, a bad wind and a storm blew up kind of out of nowhere. And so over the next few weeks and months, Every so once in a while, someone would catch a glimpse of this longboat again. And it was always in the fog in Bacaloo Tickle. And it always happened the same way, where it would just suddenly appear, these men rowing, and then it would be gone. But they could hear it heading towards Beta Verde. And every time somebody saw the longboat, that night a bad storm would come up. So the longboat became an omen of a coming storm. And the people in Beta Verde began to believe 
that these men in the boat were the spirit of all four sailors who had died in the shipwreck. And that there they were in the boat, rowing and rowing for all they were worth, trying to get to safety, trying to get to Beta Verde. But as we all know, they could never, ever get there. <laughs> Fantastic the story. <laughs> and that's the story of the Phantom Longboat. Now, back in the day when we had more deadly infectious diseases and more people worked in very dangerous jobs like fishing and lumbering, uh, I guess the Grim Reaper was never far away. And some of your stories illustrate how a death in the family was experienced by all generations and perhaps gave rise to ghost stories. Yes, I mean, it was very immediate, you know. There's one story about somebody dying of TB, a mother, a, mother, a tragic story, and unfortunately happened so often. And the mother was dying in the bedroom upstairs, and the children would, you know, go and visit her, and you couldn't get away from it. I think that it had a profound effect on families, and this sort of tragedy and sorrow that's woven into the history of Newfoundland, partly because of the difficulties living here, just physically. It was just so hard to make a living and, and feed your family, and, and every day, every, every year around March was when people started to get hungry, and they ran out of things from last year, ran out of their vegetables, and that's when they'd start to go off and hunt seals for food. That was never very far away, and I think that the ghost stories were definitely connected to that. It was an everyday kind of fact of life, but that took a tremendous toll on people. While your ghost stories are firmly set in Newfoundland, tell us about some you found that might be familiar in other parts of the world. Oh, yeah, I suppose the old hag might be one. Now, the old hag is a really Newfoundland story that anybody in Newfoundland, if you say, talk about the old hag, they'll start telling you the last time they experienced the old hag. <laughs> She's just a really Newfoundland witchy ghost that a lot of people experience, but... The story of the old hag goes back generations and centuries all over the world. People have experienced it, but they call it different things. It's a terrible nightmare, and the word nightmare itself comes from a similar experience where it's a pressure that people feel on their chest where they feel like someone's sitting on their chest and they can't move, and they're convinced they're awake and they can't move. And often it takes the form of a little old crone, like an old woman, that won't let you stand up. Often also people experience it as hearing noises in the house. They feel like there's a presence in the house that's coming towards them, coming into their room, and then comes in and sits on their chest. So it's quite terrifying, but it definitely is experienced and called different things all over the world. There's a scientific explanation for it, which is nowhere near as fun as a ghostly explanation, but... It's a form of sleep paralysis. Right. But, uh, but we don't need to think about that because the old hag, it's a lot more fun when you think, well, it's, actually, it's not fun at all. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's happened to me, and it's just awful. Oh, really? <laughs> Sometimes I think the spirits have take revenge on me because I spend a lot of my life going around to school scaring children with ghost <laughs> stories and, and taking great delight in scaring children. And every once in a while, I have some really spooky experience where they take revenge. <laughs> and, so, and so when I, the old hag happened to me after it, I thought, okay, well, that serves you right for scaring people so much. You're sure it wasn't um, sleep paralysis now? It, it was sleep paralysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> but, I, uh, I've, I've actually seen hmm. engravings and paintings from Europe yes. of the old hag. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's very, she's, she gets around. 
Uh, you're a, a trained actor, and you've been raising goosebumps in audiences from Newfoundland to uh, Florida, I understand. Yes. And, yes. and you've been kind enough in this book, in Screech, to share some pro tips. Yes. Uh, and, and you use the mnemonic aid SCARED, S-C-A-R-E-D. Now, we can't go through all the letters, but tell us about the letter A for atmosphere. Okay, that's usually where I start when I'm, I'm doing workshops with kids for ghost stories. The atmosphere is really the first thing you need to set up. Just to start getting people scared, which of course is what you want to do, you have to add a lot of spooky details and pick a place that's got some scary elements to it. If I was telling you a story about where I live, of course I would mention the two graveyards that I can't really get anywhere without walking by a graveyard. Right away, it's an easy way to start some atmosphere. But I also talk about the details. The more specific details you put into writing, the more you're going to recreate that image in the people's head. It's hard to describe without actually jumping into a story. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the wind howling is always a good one, and an old house that's creaking and that has some kind of history and some kind of history about it that you don't know, some kind of mystery, and darkness, too. Like now in Newfoundland, I'm always saying, and I say in the book, that there's no dark, like the Newfoundland dark, and I did not come up with that. Someone else told me that. A lot of people told me that. They said, nowhere is as dark as it is here at night when there's no moon and no stars and you're out in the country it's just so black there's no light you don't you can't literally you don't know where to put your foot and i've had people tell me they've driven around and not known how to turn not been able to find the road to turn on because even with the car lights it's too dark so the dark in newfoundland is a character like in my book i think um, nearly all of the stories have some element of the dark in them where it's just this brooding emptiness where anything can come out of the dark. Ooh. Well, Karis, <laughs> thank you so much for speaking with me today on Book Me. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. Karis Cotter is the author of Screech, Ghost Stories from Old Newfoundland, illustrations by Genevieve Sims. It's published by Nimbus. We have dozens of conversations for you with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, authors, illustrators, editors, and designers, all on bookmepodcast.ca. Pass the word to your fellow readers. If you'd like to comment on a podcast, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. Maybe tell us a ghost story. On Instagram, so are we. We send an alert every time we post a new interview. Just follow at bookmepodcast. If you're in Lunenburg County, you can hear one of our podcasts every night on the nonprofit radio station CHLU, 93.7 FM, just before sign-off around 9 o'clock. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. Our otherworldly digital presence is Laura Hines. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. <laughs>